and ride with me in my foul life. This is another episode of the Foul Life Podcast, and it's brought to you. Usually when we're coming from the Nashville Palace, we would be on the This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. So we've been in here with Chris Knight, Shay Edwards, Bobby Johnson, Leith Lofton, John Party. We've been all over this dance floor. I remember the just we were just here a couple months ago at a big Valentine's Day party that Mr. John Party threw. Mm-hmm. Heck of a night with you and your bride and Anna V. Hardy was here with his fiance, um, John Party and his beautiful bride summer were here and this place was magic that night but usually we would be you know recording an episode of this life ain't for everybody but the reason we're coming at you with the foul life today another episode of the foul life podcast is brought to you today by the nashville palace on the scoreboard and the reason why is because they roll out the red carpet for us the hot chicken here is amazing you had the pastrami sandwich today you had a burger today um, pizza was eaten, beers were being drank all the Everything time here. I mean, good. this the palace and the scoreboard, Mr. Barrett Hobbs, Bobby Johnson rolled the red carpet out for us, and we truly, truly appreciate it. Today's episode of the Foul Life Podcast is also brought to you by Jargon Game Calls. Bubba Henderson's on the show today. Bobby Johnson's on the show today. Corey Hinkley, one of our producers, was with them in the woods today calling some of these Nashville city turkeys. I want to start off by talking about those calls a little bit, Bobby J. You love calling turkeys. We got the box call, the pot calls in both graphite and glass. And we also have our three different fan favorite series mouth calls. Um, we're field testing them pretty much. They're for sale. We we tested them a bunch before we came to market with them. But we're still, you know, even though we're at market, you know, we want to we want feedback. You know, is there something we can improve on? Um, are we getting the sounds that we want? Are they authentic? Are they legitimate? Are you liking them? Only thing you could do to make them better is when I lay one down or drop one, make it where it jumps back into my pocket automatically so I don't lose it. Did you lose one here last night? I think I, he got it. He gave it to me this morning. <laughs> I told you it was his. He had, picked it up. Had <laughs> one of, they're like guitar picks. They just, just go in your pocket. Now, I know especially they are, during, huh? Especially during turkey season. But uh, I lost one today whenever we were hunting this morning. I, mm-hmm. I told them, I said, man, y'all see a mouth call laying around here anywhere? And I'm looking, and it, it, it happened to be the black one. And it was like, oh, it's gone. It's lost. So you, like you, you, you lost the black one this morning? Yeah, but I've got three sets I think I got from you in WTF. So still got some. It still doesn't mean you should lose them. Well, it just happens. You get excited, man. Get so that's the new fan. Fan favorite. What a cool name. My buddy Joel in Wisconsin came up with that. We're trademarking it. Fan favorite. It makes sense, right? Sports, music. And then the fan of a big turkey, like the fan, that's their favorite. It's kind of a neat little name. Mm-hmm. So all of our calls at Jargon Game Calls are going to be under the fan favorite name as our series. Today's episode of the Foul Life Podcast is also brought to you by another product that they use today. Greenhead Gear Decoys, all of our turkey decoys, the Jekyll and Hyde, the Laydown Hen, the Jake's realism movement at its finest you got to know when and where to use a turkey decoy i'm learning more and more every day one thing that i'll say out in public is there's a couple things that i don't agree with with turkey hunting i'm not a reaper i'm not one of the guys that does it i'm not against it i'm just not for it for me doing it i like old school running and gunning turkey hunting where you get in the woods at about 10 a.m with a decoy in your vest in the back and you just cut one and you try to cut him off while he's coming at you, get the decoy set up as fast as you can and then try to make magic happen with him, getting a little visual of it, hearing a little chirp on that mouth call or that slate call, whatever it is. That's my style. What's your favorite style? All the above, really. So you reap, you like to reap. Bubba doesn't know what reaping is. You know what reaping means? I haven't reaped one in a couple of years, actually, to be honest with Kind of the, you know, the last bird I killed besides today was a thing where we almost kind of had to deer hunt them. They were with so many hens. You get to calling so much, those hens kind of go away from you because they're trying to take the gobblers away. Either they don't know you, they don't know, not that your call doesn't sound good. It's just they don't know you or they don't want to be around you. So they move away. And then when them gobblers are locked with them hens, they'll just go with them. So we just do like a move. I love the ones where you... All of a sudden you decide, all right, we're getting up. We're going to run a mile and a half back this way around this ridge so they can't see us, get ahead of them, and then just kind of sit there and wait on them to show up. And that's that's how I killed my last bird was just getting right in the spot where we knew they were coming in and made just a little bit of noise to let them know, hey, there was something in there, but we didn't overdo it. You know, sometimes less is more. We were talking about that last night. You know, a, a lot of times – and you can hear them in the woods when you go hunting. Sometimes you'll hear somebody else that's hunting maybe on the neighbor's property 
And you know that's not a real hen over there calling. It's like someone's calling, 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 calling. And a lot of times they'll push birds your way depending on how they're calling. If they're calling too aggressive or not enough. Uh, and sometimes it's, it's harder in the later season, I've learned to hear the real hens do the real thing. Now, early season, as soon as they come off the limb and hit the ground, they'll start that just dot, 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 dot. And you're gonna learn a lot about calling. Like I've been blessed over here at this piece of property because the birds have been around for a while and we were trying to save some birds over there. So saving the birds over there, I'd just go there in the mornings and just roll down the windows in the truck and just listen to what to how they, you know, the noises they made. And a lot of the noises they make aren't what guys are doing on TV. You know, they're just they're very subtle, they're very easy going, laid back calls. And I'm no expert by any means. I'll still learn something new every day, you know. I love to watch uh, guys like Michael Waddell and, and uh, Cole Pepper, uh, watching their shows and watching them. And that's that's real live going at it footage. And them guys are – I like to play their YouTube videos in the truck, put my mouth call in and try to mimic some of the things they're doing too. Helps. It's just like music, a certain key. You know, you play a song in G. You know, you got a bird over singing in G. You want to try to be in G. That's, I think it's a little bit easier for me because I love to sing too. So I kind of find that right pitch, you know. Yeah, you can you tell sing, when you're, you sing not, pretty. Thank you. What did you learn today? Did you enjoy it? Your first Tennessee turkey hunt? I enjoyed it a ton. Uh, we had a lot of action this morning right in front of us. They were Jakes, but uh, walked up five feet. What five yards from the. Where we were. It looked like clowns getting out of a bus, didn't it? And then after five minutes, they just kind of wandered back down. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it was it was quiet for a bit. But, Bobby, you knew you knew exactly what those birds were going to do. And they kind of did just a, matter of time. a lot of what you said. And they ended up coming back our way. So it was good. I knew when them Jake showed up that some of them other gobblers, the, the two gobblers that were – have always been paired up they'll fight the jakes but the one lone gobbler we call him when them jakes are around he's not around because they they whoop up on him they, I mean, they gang up them jakes for some reason will gang up on some birds and i've watched it year after year he's just the unlucky one yeah he's the he's the one that's got he's got some kind of weakness that they know about i mean he's a big bird though he, he was a big, big bird. spurs and just a a, a mature older bird but it's just something about him i don't know if he's Maybe at one point a year or so ago, we had a bird over there that kind of had a bad leg. And I don't know if his leg's healed and he walks better now, but he still just can't. At one point, I didn't think the bird roosted. I think he stayed on the ground all the time, but not sure. It's hard to keep up with him that way unless you got tags around their ankles. Sure. That makes sense. So if he was weak in some way, right? They know it. It's like they know it. But he doesn't seem, he seems normal. He gobbles normal. He struts normal. He even breeds hens. I've yeah, I watched him breed hens. So he's he's doing his job. He just he's not good with the crowd. No. <laughs> so are turkeys an animal of like just pure habit? Like is that what you're telling me that if you if you watch them and you know that they're kind of fanning at this time of the morning? And I know weather dictates some of this, but if you scout them and you know like hey they're using this gravel road as an access point, you're telling me that hey they might not be gobbling they might not be coming to the call aggressively but if we can discipline ourselves to sit here more than likely they're going to come up this road like they did yesterday yeah i did you know i knew y'all were coming too and so i took my tractor out there three days ago and mowed some runways and they're, they're just like deer turkeys you know you mow a strip all the way down through a pasture and mow two or three more rows in one spot they're going to use it it's just the path of least resistance there's deer do it turkeys do it and uh, that's what they were doing. I mean, we had one bird that come through the tall grass, but that's because them Jakes were after him. He was just trying to get away from them. But Yeah, when he came in, there was that one lone hen out there, too, just walking through the, the mm -hmm. thick stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting to see how everything worked out this morning. And we'll get to the the whole the rest of it. But We knew first thing in the morning, once we got down there, I knew where they roosted because it was the last place I'd spotted them before I come and met you all last night. And uh, I knew they were riding them trees or somewhere. And sure enough, they started gobbling. And I was like, yep, there they are. But we saw a couple of them up in the trees. But when they hit the ground, they just didn't commit to crossing the road. They stayed on the other side of the road most of the early morning. They were hung out over there. And the crows always pester these turkeys. And if you're a turkey hunter out there, 
in the podcast world. If you haven't noticed it, look for it. If there's turkeys somewhere and the crows are crowing and you see them flying down close to the ground, more than likely there's turkeys underneath them. Because for some reason, I don't know why they pester turkeys, but crows will pester turkeys. Have you ever asked any other turkey hunters what, what their thoughts are? No, I had never. I've talked to some other people and they've said, yeah, man, I kind of noticed that too. You know, they're, they're always just calling at them, call, call, and they'll, they'll swoop down. It's not like they're trying to attack them or anything. Just, just like maybe they're eating their grass that they want to eat or something sure. i don't know what it is but. in the predator hunting world you know the rule is if you if you see a crow coming that there could be a coyote following that crow because mm -hmm. coyotes trust crows coyotes don't trust magpies you know what a magpie is mm -hmm. right they're very prolific out in the west i don't you guys you have them out here too but um a magpie will follow a coyote so a lot of the times when you see a <clears throat> A, a magpie like if you see a crow flying at you there's a chance that there's a coyote within four or five hundred yards that's watching that crow and kind of getting in the area but if you see a magpie descend and kind of get down and just start popping from sagebrush to sagebrush usually he's giving away that coyote coming in Let he's just know. kind of like flying around the path because they know if that coyote can go in there and start that meal and get the blood going and getting the meat off of it that there there's going to be a chance for a, a scavenger bird like a magpie to come in after and get some niblets so that's what we i have a feeling too it's like a lot of times when i'm deer hunting even in kansas and here if i'm going in on an afternoon hunt and i'm easing off into the woods red tail hawks will just right and I, I hear it all the time and it's like they're telling on you you know it's like it's like they're letting the woods know hey this guy's coming in there. He's got on temper camo and he looks like a gorilla. I mean, you know the noise they make, and I think it lets the woods know, oh, something's in here. It's not supposed to be in here. I don't know. Maybe not. They weren't very vocal this morning either when they hit the ground. Once they hit the ground, they, were sh they shut up. They make no noise. Of course, it was windy. It was, it was windy. windy. And early season, though, when they're when it's just they're a lot more vocal, aren't they? Some mornings it's weird. It's just a, a lot of guys, one guy that I hunt with, I've learned a lot from Jeff, says it's a humidity. If there's a humidity, they won't gobble so much. Uh, certain mornings it seems like, you know, it was cloudy this morning. Windy. Windy, chilly. cloudy. But they hit the ground. They, they gobbled a bunch in the tree. Mm -hmm. When they hit the ground, they didn't do nothing. All we could hear was crows. And I kept telling them, I said, them birds are still across the road over there. Somebody else's property. And then the guy who lives on the farm where we hunted got in the car and went to the store and I called him. I said, man, did you see them turkeys anywhere? Oh yeah, they're over on crossroads. <laughs> like, well, pegged that one. Pegged it. So yeah. you were kind of calling the hunt as it went a little play by play. Why, what, what is the, we're talking turkey hunting here. When we're duck hunting, we kind of have an, a, an ability to have our guns sitting there and you watch your dog's eyes you kind of have an eye if you're you know you're looking in the sky you have a minute to get ready like you're even when you're calling them you can reach for your gun in the midst of the calling and then work in the decoy spread goose hunting usually a canada goose or, or a group of snows or specs will give their their location away that they're approaching you through vocalization mm -hmm. in turkey hunting um again my visualizing my picture perfect hunt you hit that call and just run in like big gobbles and stuff right sometimes they don't talk at all sometimes they're real quiet. quiet so with that being said you can't be lackadaisical with your guns meaning that if your gun's just sitting there down to your side you can't react and be all jerky by oh god here they come you got to be really methodical and like mm -hmm. where that gun's placed where you're holding it like if you have a, a bipod on the front end of it and you can keep the barrel out of the ground you can just reach real slow and there's other apparatuses and, and product out there that you can keep a gun on a bipod or a tripod system or some kind of shooting sticks but man, that's so such an important part of turkey hunting where I've seen a lot of mistakes made where when you guys are in that situation where you're kind of just waiting and they're not giving up their distance by a gobble and all of a sudden you just look up and there you see the neck going like that. You yeah. got to you tell people about how important it is of where that gun is, the reach for it, the movement of the head, because like you might have a branch in front of you or some grass and like you might be trying to think you're they're not seeing you, but the, the optical illusion the optical vision of a turkey and the in the the distance that he can see around his head 
is amazing. Like their eyesight is second, I think, only to the Rocky Mountain. quick elk. movement. The quicker you move. Uh, so like I was saying to them this morning, I said, y'all can move. I said, just move slow. Let's don't move fast. And, you know, going on into our hunt, we we had one bird that came across because the Jakes had ran him around. He was 30 yards. I could have shot him where I was, where um, Bubba was sitting. He just couldn't even see him. We had some lambs over there and some brush, which was good cover for us. It was a good spot to sit. That bird was just in a bad spot, and he was timid. So the decoy that we had out there, he didn't want to get no closer to it, but 30 yards. I had the bird gobbling a couple times. He gobbled, and that really let Bubba know he was there, but he still couldn't see him. Couldn't see him still. So then he eased off. A few minutes went by, and I kind of stood up the tree so I could see where he went. And as soon as I got to where I was standing to where – look where he was then here come those quiet birds like somebody rolled them in there on bowling balls boom here they come so i'm having to slide back down the tree but what saved us from not getting busted was having that decoy there where those turkeys were focused on that decoy and that was their main focus they were coming to whoop this you know strutting turkey so therefore we're just on the wayside and Aside of us doing jumping jacks or clapping our hands, they just wasn't paying attention to us. So it let me, it allowed me to sit back down, pick my gun up, talk to him. All right, let's go on three. And they did what they did. I mean, one was on each side of the decoy. They stopped, head straight up. And one, two, three, we shot. It was almost like one shot. It was so perfect with the countdown. And it just didn't go exactly like we wanted it, did it? No, nope, it didn't. I put it right above the beard, and uh, I missed. I don't really know what happened yet. How are you holding your gun? Explain to me, kind of. What's a shotgun? Your, are you on your butt? I'm on my butt. I'm on the pad. Are you with a tree behind you? I've got a tree, but I've got both my elbows locked in my knee, and I was, I was dead on. We were both right there, and one, two, shoot. Did you have your eyes open? I leave one eye closed. So one of them at least was open? Because Bobby was texting me and saying um, that there's an ophthalmologist around here. There's an optometrist office around here. I even took my eye off of my barrel. I took my eye off of my barrel to look at his bird to make sure the head was up on his bird before I counted down. I mean, it was and perfect. It was perfect. Still can't tell you what happened. Um. Well, it was an awesome scenario. It couldn't have worked out better. Bobby dropped his bird. Mine ended up flying away, but what a great experience being in Tennessee right now. Isn't it cool? Very cool. We had fun. Okay, let me ask you this, general. Bobby, about turkey hunting. Two turkeys come in, or three toms, whatever you want to say. A true double is what y'all had today. You did the countdown. Both of them are there, heads up killable shots right there's different times there's the right time i should say to pull the trigger on a turkey and when he's all fanned up and puffed up is not the right time it's when you give him that and make him stretch out and give that last gobble or something to where you can get those vitals and that neck and and all that a true double is okay with you is a the, the other kind of double is where you kill that bird and the other one comes back and he's on that flopping turkey is that kind of double okay or and i'm not saying that i know it's legal and it's fine to do it but would you rather not waste your tag on that bird and go call another one to where he's not just oh my gosh you know trying to beat up that flopping bird well because you correct me if i'm wrong but wild turkeys do that a lot they'll come out fact, and beat I up that, that bird was going to do that today i, I even said that yep. I, that, that bird's going to come back yep but he didn't. Um, but, you know, in a situation like, like we were today, I really wanted Bubba to get a turkey. I wanted Bubba to get a turkey. I didn't even really want to pull the trigger unless it was a double situation. Talked about it last night. Now, if that bird would have come back there and got on my bird, I'd have been, Bubba, don't miss this time. Yes. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so that's just, the you know, the excitement, too, and your adrenaline going, and you're there, you know, to shoot turkeys, and you're there to – Back in the day, they were shooting turkeys to eat, and and if 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 that's how it you know it rolled out, and that's how it rolled out, you know everybody's got their own ethics or what they think's right or wrong, and man, whatever floats your boat, whatever makes you feel good, that's to me that's what uh, that's what hunting's all about. So if it's if one goes down that way, uh, that's the way it goes well, down. If you travel to another state, 
And you got two tags. Maybe you only have two or three days. In some states, Maybe. some states you can shoot two birds in one day. There you go. So I would do it. I mean, sure. I've only got two days or something or three days, and you have your opportunity yeah, you to might sit the next three days fill your two tags. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I see I see nothing wrong I with mean, that. I but personally, would take him out of the equation. What's your, at this point in your turkey hunting career, do you want every hunt to be a picture-perfect turkey hunt, or do you just want the bird? The pull of the trigger and killing a turkey, is it still important to you to wear if it's not – picture perfect the way that you dreamed it up the night before cutting him fanning calling back to you gobbling back to you getting a little bit closer seeing that decoy beating up the jake mounting the hand flaring up fanning out all that does it have to be picture perfect at this point in your hunting career with as many turkeys as you've seen hit the dirt no it don't have to be picture perfect because i i mean you can sit and dream about how you want it to go and it's nine times out of ten it's gonna go different I mean, I've had him walk up and almost peck you on the shoulder behind you. You didn't even know a bird was there. You know, and, and you're watching a bird that's 300 yards out in the field, and that's just – it goes it goes how Mother Nature wants it to go. And you, sometimes you just got to roll with the punches. And, um, I love – I love, like you said, no decoy, no nothing. Call a bird to the barrel. That's – to me, that would be my most favorite way to do it. So no Absolutely. decoy meaning no visual. They're just they're just looking for that sound. Looking for me. Looking for the hen. That's that's ideal. Would love to do it that way. So this video right here that our mutual friend, the guy that you introduced me to, Mr. Tom Perkins, he sent me this video. This is one of the turkeys y'all were hunting today. I'm thinking. Might have been, yeah. So he's got his reflection in the mirror, walking down a Nashville sidewalk at night. And he just notices himself. Oh. Yeah, that was a bird. And that's crazy for a turkey to be on uh, in a parking lot at night, just walking around. Look at him, look at himself. and Because <clears throat> turkeys, I've seen them do this in chrome wheels and tires of trucks, and wheel, chrome wheels of trucks, where they oh, get up on the pe- side yeah, of it and they, and they start pumping the, you they know, see themselves, the bumpers. Yeah. I've seen him wear the side. So, he's so weirded out, he thinks that's another turkey. I've seen them go to the side of cars and just wear them out uh, up in the neighborhood. They'll be really? on the side of a car just beating a door, just beating a door up. So do you, do you, you take that whole aspect out that you look at it as, as long as you kill a turkey, you're good with it. There's not a turkey that you won't be like, nope, that's not good for me. Give me an idea. Like he's new to it. So of course he's going to be like, yeah, I don't want to shoot one from a truck. Well, it's illegal, wanna, isn't it? Well, if, if you're on public land, you're on public land and you're sitting in your truck and you call a bird and he comes up to your truck, it's not illegal. To, really? Mm-mm, no. On public land? No, you no, can no. shoot from the, on you're, private land? Private land, yeah. Sorry, I said that wrong. But yeah, on your own land, you can shoot him from a truck. Do you want to shoot one at 60 it. yards with a new TSS or do you want him intimate? I want 25, 20, yeah. Do I you like care? Just like any animal, I think you'd want him close, but if that's... If you got a 40-yard shot. Too, you know, um, I like to bow hunt, and I like to shoot deer up close. I want them, you know, I want them to be in my bubble. It's personal with a bow. When they're in your bubble, it's it's a lot better than – I get kind of worried about shooting, it, especially when the wind's blowing real good and you're shooting a bunch of pellets out far. I ain't going to lie now. Them, them TSS will get out there. They'll reach out. Yeah, for sure. But if he's coming, he's coming. You know, I mean, if you can get – a further shot and you, you're comfortable with it you've practiced it and then you know so be it and if you you made this comment there if he's coming he's coming as a caller you know one of the biggest faux pas is how much you call like people think oh if i sound just like a mallard duck i'm never going to shut up and i have that analogy a lot like if i can feel it and i can instinctually tell that they're eating the call up i won't stop talking to them until their toenails are in the water right or in the dirt when a turkey's coming at you talk to me a little bit about the reversal of mother nature and how it's completely fake compared to what's going on in the wild like in the wild that male turkey the tom is calling and and flexing up and fanning out to attract the hens when we hunt them we reverse that 
so now all of a sudden we're sitting there trying to persuade this wild animal to, hey, forget about it. You're not going to call me to you today. We're going to try to call you to us today. And that's a big reason why a lot of turkey hunts fail, in my opinion, is that we don't use that analogy of what's really going on. They could just be stubborn of like, that ain't how it's supposed to go down. I'm not coming to you. You're supposed to come to me. So what my point in saying that is to say this, one of the analogies or one of the um, strategies that I've learned is that when you don't call as much, when you get one fired up, that now he starts to get anxiety and he's like, whoa, what's up? I know you're around. Some, some, sometimes they'll shock gobble all the way to you. Yeah, you sometimes. Louder, louder, louder. You don't make a noise and they'll walk right up to you. Yeah, but and sometimes think, it's it's good to be quiet because you can overcall a turkey yeah, easy, easy. Well, I think one thing too is hunters, and I love to hear a turkey gobble, but I think a lot of hunters are with a mouth call. Every time that turkey gobbles, they want to call back at him again because they want him to gobble again. They like to hear that gobble. But a lot of times you call him and you get him to gobble, and it, especially if he gobbles again and you didn't make a noise, I'd just be quiet because nine times out of ten he's going to come looking for. But then the rule – you know, most of the time the gobbler stays, the hen goes to the gobbler. After he gobbles, the hen's supposed to go to the gobbler. And that's what happens a lot of times. That's why these birds get hung up. They get they get stuck out there. And it's just it, you as a hunter knowing, okay, this bird's not coming. I need to try to call him a little bit more. Sometimes you can tell by the way they gobble. It's like you saying, ow, if I was to pinch you right now. Pinch, pinch me, Bobby. I know that I hurt you. You know what I mean? And sometimes you hear a gobble and it's just kind of a weak gobble. Like, well, I just gobbled because kind of struck a sense you can tell sometimes when they gobble like i'm over here i'm over here you know then that they're coming you can just i don't know the more you do it i think you have just they really it. done that have they really done that in this part of the country yet this year because i've been hearing like they really haven't got there's different factors that play into like the re the the huntability of a wild turkey buddy these turkeys a month before season started here was the best time for you to have hunted turkeys i mean i these birds were on fire and strutting wow it was now is that normal march is that normal or was it early i always say each time ten, you know the season opens here in tennessee each time i always say man i wish it had opened two weeks ago i do always say that these birds have been strutting for i mean since march i mean doing it Right, I mean, right after we had NWTF, and that's what February here. I mean, these birds were blowed up. You know. So, do you think it needs to start earlier here, like it does in Florida and Georgia, parts of Alabama? Florida, st- about time Florida starts. Yeah, is what they've got. The South turkey season in Florida starts before the northern. Was it south of a certain road? Is there any main reason for that, or I don't know. You know, I. I leave a lot of things up to the fishing game commission i think a lot of it has to do with the weather i mean you're going out that uh i don't know some things need to be reevaluated. you know you used to kill four turkeys here now it's three kansas this year changed me wanting to travel and go to kansas because you could always shoot two birds in kansas and now it's only one shoot one i think somebody else said another one for residents only also in kansas Mm -hmm. so everybody just one turkey. If you travel all the way to Kansas, you shoot one turkey, you're done. Go um, to where it used to be, you could shoot two, and you could shoot them in the same day. So some things have changed. I think uh, I hear a lot of people talk and hear that the turkey population was down. Man, you get in a truck with me, and we go for a ride and go up towards Watertown and Lebanon in the mornings and ride back, and I don't see it. Uh, maybe they know more than I do. I'm sure they do. They said the same thing in Georgia, and I would I would have believed it there. But Tennessee, man, they're everywhere around here. Well, them birds we hunted last year in Georgia was tough. Yeah, they had like briefcases and Rolexes, and you you round the corner in a truck a mile away, them birds was getting out. Waddell said that Georgia, Alabama, and Mississippi are the hardest turkeys in the country. I heard Mississippi was in Alabama. Yeah, I failed miserably but in both states. We felt. We felt Georgia last year. Well, you got a bird last year. I got a bird in Georgia, too. Oh, yeah. We we had success. But, I mean, there was a reason why they dropped their limit down there. They've started the season with a lot a lot later. They've mm-hmm. taken away days out of the season. Um, they're doing things to try to bring that population back and hopefully working with turkeys for tomorrow or National Wild Turkey Federation, they're going to be able to do it. But 
the turkeys around here, I've never, like when I went out to our a buddy of ours that's a country singer's place south of here, about 60 miles, I was there in February. Dude, I was, I mean, you know, what are they called when they group up big? What's that it's word? A flock. No, there's a word. Uh, like how big? 150 turkeys out in the field. 100, 150. I saw two of them down there. Let me look it up. I need a Google checker. You know, the uh, Google checker, the turkeys that are here. I mean, you've got a lot of, a lot of rural neighborhood turkeys here. I mean, you just drive up the darndest roads. I was going up Lebanon road, going towards downtown and there was some property back through there. And I pulled in the parking lot and this was a month and a half ago before season started. And I could see one gobbler way off in a field, and I just for just for giggles just called a little bit with a mouth call, and they come up and walked up in the parking lot. You know, three birds just like, hey, that Toyota Tundra sounds like a hen. <laughs> 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 nope, there ain't no hen up there. Same with Cali. Wait a minute. I might see myself in the reflection of his door. There's a lot of areas go check it out. where they're everywhere. They yeah, are on, everywhere. We went down, I took my brother, he had a friend that had a place that was down in, um, it's called Beach Grove, Tennessee. It was just south of Murfreesboro. And we went down there and um, guy had about 200 acres and we were allowed to hunt it. We had never been there and we went in the dark. All we had was our, we had our onyx and our topo map. So we kind of knew where we were going. We went and set up and there was more birds than you could shake a stick at. I mean, you run into birds, stalking birds. Really? And we got to the back of this man's property and looked down one of these big, huge valleys that goes on forever. And we could hear goblin way off. And I looked back behind these people's barn, and there is nine gobblers having some kind of congregation up on the side of this hill. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, look at all of those gobblers out there. It, it was crazy. So I, I don't know where the turkey population shortage is, but. Uh, I would assume you were successful on that hunt. We were. We, that was another day where we almost doubled up, and it was my brother. My brother was up to bat, so I, I was. He was shooting, and the bird I had on my side. You always shoot the one on your side, but the one on his side just kind of just went a different route and started going up in the woods, and it was a long shot. So I just set my gun down and let Glenn shoot the one that was close, and uh, just knowing I would probably go get on another bird, but. We hunted for a little while, and that was one of them days where it got warm pretty quick, and the birds just kind of got up in the timber and got away from us. So we let it go. We left there about noon, but it was a great morning, great hunt. Birds was – we thought the birds were roosted in a different spot. We get in the spot, and we sit down, and I just hit the owl, who see if I can get these birds that are way off the gobble. And this bird gobbles, like, right above us, like right <laughs> in the tree, right above us to the right. And I'm, I mean, like, so loud that you, like – Kind of sharded a little bit, like, oh my god! Did you really? Bit. No, I didn't. You have you ever in the turkey woods? Um, there's been some mornings where the coffee kicked in before I did. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I try to get that out of the way before I leave. But it all depends on who's late and who's running behind or how far you gotta go. Yeah, but um, yeah, it was a it was a good morning with my brother. I got a wist. I witnessed one, two, three, four, five, six, six birds hit the dirt this year and i've killed two of them so that's it's been fun because of the calls you think be honest absolutely from the calls i mean no, we let, we're not reinventing anything there's so many we've let, calls uh, out there well we had to let them birds know we was there for them to come where we were so i can't say they were because of the calls they worked yeah i i want that the listener to know though that we're not there are no it's the best call you can buy on the market. I don't want to say now. I will say that about our duck calls. If you order now, we'll send you two extra calls. For nineteen ninety five. you should be for free. Yeah, those are the best commercials. That guy died, one of them guys that did that clean on or that flex seal or whatever. He passed. He's got oh, a new guy he? doing it now. Did he really? The one that put the screen door in a John boat? Yeah, what yeah. was the name of that guy? What was the name of that guy? I don't he know. He died the of a cocaine overdose. I think. He would always go, woohoo. Yeah. No, that's not him. That's the OxyClean guy. Who's the guy that passed? Oh, Flex Seal. I think they're the same guy. He no. was the same guy for both. Remember, he I'm had almost, like a, I'm almost positive. He had the screen door and he's riding the boat. Woo! Uh huh. <laughs> Man. Um. They. So, uh, 
Hold tight. When are you going to sit down behind the shotgun? I don't know. I, in the woods. I've experienced so much cool stuff in my life. I have a hard time cutting in front of anybody now. I always yeah. let them go. I mean, in Georgia, I was the last one to go. In Tennessee, I was the last one to go. I always let everybody go just because I've seen it done so many times. And not that I'm a, I don't a good turkey you like hunter. To get up early. You don't like to get up early. Nah, to get up early. I'm always up early. Whether just, you stay, that's because you stay up all night. No, whether I'm up, whether I'm up for ducks or <laughs> whether up, I'm up for I'm work, up, I'm here. But no, there's nothing worse in the world than partying too hard than trying to go hunting in the morning. Ooh. No, and when, I, and when, hey, when, the, when, when we were camp, 21, I, though, it was different. See, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. Oh, now I feel great. It's 47. I feel I. I don't think no matter how old you are, that drinking until three in the morning and then leaving in a boat out, leaving out in a boat at five thirty is a smart thing to do. Well, it's not a smart thing to do at all. It's, it's a little bit easier when we were younger. Though. Yeah, a little bit. I don't know. I and Crosby will tell you. I've never <laughs> been the guy that gets hung over like and gets like a, like I pop back pretty good, but. Safety wise, yes, you should not party till three in the morning and then go grab a shotgun. He told me that you're ready. He told me first thing he told me when I seen him yesterday, man, those people down in Talladega, they're a different breed. I mean, they drink like they really, really drink, man. He's like, I, I, I like mainly drink water, but then I had like some moonshine that they gave me. I was like, man, they really, really. That's drink. what happened, huh? And they act like this. He's like, this is my third time I've been drunk today. I'm like, what? Yeah, I'm on my third drunk today. I don't even know what that means. Like he said, I took two naps and now I'm working on my third he's drunk. Like, he's already thrown up twice. <laughs> he's already taken naps. Sweet people, nice as shit, but I'm talking like. They when they when they put their mind to it that we're going to Dega, they put their mind about going to Dega different than I put my mind to it. It's a party nonstop, and you don't stop. I mean, even I guarantee Monday morning there were people having beers before they left. A buddy of mine for, that I used to bartend with over at Opryland years ago told me that his dad had a van and he got in, got his credentials, and was go to like all these local races. And he would buy extra cases of beer and just stock up this van. Because come Sunday, getting closer to race time, these people in the infield and all would run out of beer. And he would sell his beer like, I mean, 300% over cost. I mean, unbelievable the money that his dad made on beer. These people would spend it. Oh, my gosh. He was like, man, I think that's that's all my dad did in my high school years. He, he sold beer at Talladega and Daytona. Wow. Smart. <laughs> because we had to go out and you didn't want to go in the morning. The people on Sunday getting in, we were like, nope, we turned around. Crosby and I turned around. They uh-huh. ended up going out later, I think, and getting some extra cases. But it was crazy to see all that chaos that and all the people Monday morning. Some leaving. of them live under the bleachers all year, I think. Really? Then when the red, when, when they throw the green flag, they just pop out. I'll tell you what, they're you that mean for real. Like they have a house under there, yeah, a they small got, house. They there's got turkey that big, legs. There's that big of fans though, where that is like their mm. holy grail. They love it. That's their one time a year just to absolutely go ballistic. It's an experience. I mean, we are not dogging NASCAR tracks and races. If y'all ever get an experience to go to bristol or talladega or daytona do it because it is a it once was, in a it, lifetime experience it's exactly really cool. right there's a there's an energy there that's uh it's nothing like the smell of fuel and tires everybody is so nice i don't think we saw one fight no, i don't one. think everybody was if hey thing need was a beer out, if that thing was out west it'd be there'd be 40 fights now was talladega like that last year that they didn't have full capacity last year did they in, yeah in the in the fall, fall, race, fall, fall race, they did. I don't think they did. They didn't have full Not capacity spring. in spring last year. Yeah. No, those people are ready to get back out, man. And that just goes to show, like Nashville here, and the people are just well, they've been good, cooped up too long, and they are point. on fire, man. People are in, like you said, I've noticed even with downtown Nashville. You know, ten years of being down there, eleven years, they drink different. And I don't know if it's just because the drinks are different. I don't know if the kids are drinking the White Claws or the Trulies or the moonshines or whatever they're drinking now but it's a different crowd I mean, yeah it's almost like they've been let out of a cage it's like growing up and not being able to do anything and the minute you get loose at 18 mm. 
you start getting tattoos and you Animal start house. Yeah. <laughs> I think and you're right. These last couple of years have been tough on everybody out there. And so you get to go to a race and they're fired up because they haven't been able to do it for mm -hmm. a couple of years. Yeah, they were ready to get out, and they don't quit partying, and the races were awesome. Noah Gregson, congratulations on your Xfinity Cup victory. There'll be another Camping World truck race coming up in October where Tate Fogelman will be back in the saddle. He's a yeah. Tate, a good dude. What a awesome good guy. He's got a lot going on, too. I didn't realize I sat and talked to him. He's still in college and school. and He's about to graduate next week. Yeah, and goes back. And Nashville is coming up. Are you going to go with me? Absolutely, I'm going. Are we going to go down there? What kind, are we going to yeah. wear them jorts? A lot of them guys in Alabama wear them jorts. I don't I get don't that. I will take a pair of my Wranglers. Are you going to cut, cut them off? Yeah, cut them off. And then uh, wear boots with them? I may do a scoreboard tank top like you got on right now. With, with, with extra, leather boots? Extra small. Oh, yeah, with, with a belly <laughs> button ring? No, I'm not going to do that. I ain't going that far. There were dudes. <laughs> Are you really going to wear shorts? <laughs> there were dudes with the belly showing. I'm there not going to go with you then. Tank top and a big straw hat. Jorts a big deal down here. I'm not wearing shorts, buddy. Why not? I'm just not. Hold on a second. I'm finding out this turkey deal. My my wife would not let me leave the house in shorts. She'd be just like, no. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> have fun yeah you ain't coming back yeah anyway, we'll go for sure it's the first turkey hunt in tennessee not a bad morning not a bad morning at all i wish we could have bent bubba's barrel back the other way and it would have uh maybe it, i don't know the gun. it's not the gun it's never missed a turkey could i killed been, one with it in georgia could have been me you did shoot it though I shot it afterwards at some cardboard, and it was a little up and left. But that could be because it's been riding around on that Ford truck of yours up and down from Reno and across Mexico. Did you guys adjust the sight and shoot another one? No, Wait. because I didn't want. I was. I didn't know much about uh, how to how to adjust that the right way. You don't ever adjust the sight on another man's gun. Learn that. Really? Yeah, it's a good point. Well, I wasn't going to touch it. You ask a few of our friends, you ask like Leith Lawton, who's like, man, I'll never go hunt somewhere else with somebody else's gun without shooting it first. I shouldn't. Very true. I didn't shoot it, but I had an absolute blast this morning. Bobby. We should have just shot it in the hotel parking lot this morning. Sure, why not? Pick, One time. Just pick out a car door. And, and then we would have known. Let her rip. I'd have known to yep. aim, aim for the door bottom. handle. Aim for the door handle. <laughs> but I appreciate it this morning. <laughs> That was a lot of fun. Oh, you're welcome. Had a blast chasing the I hated things. that it didn't work out exactly like we wanted to. Um, well, it almost did, but it was still worth every bit of being out there. Uh, we'll do that again. I'm, you know, Chad had called me a while back and said he was coming, and there was a lot going on this week. And I said, well, man, I'll, I've got one farm over here. We'll kind of leave it alone and not mess with any of the birds. And that's what I did. And I think that was – if you'd have gone somewhere else today where there had been a lot of pressure on birds, you, would, you probably wouldn't have seen a bird. Sure. There's been these birds have had a lot of pressure on them on a lot of different places. The season's been open for how long? April 2nd. Yeah. Almost a month. But they're just getting right. Should we go out and get one right now? Yeah, let's go. You got your mouth calling you? I don't. I wish I had it in my pocket. We would try Did to call Did you drop one. another one? Just open the back doors no, of the No, they're, they're in his truck to, now. <laughs> try to call one. Hmm? Just pop a door open and call one. We'll probably get one walk right in here. You think so? Right into the parking lot. <laughs> well, we're going to a Nashville Predators call uh, game tonight. Are oh, you? Yeah. Hockey. Going with the Jack Daniels folks, the fine folks from Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels. The finest whiskey known to man. Love some Jack Daniels. There is nothing finer than Jack Daniels. I had it one here awesome. last night, and I was like, that is the best cocktail in America. Now, mm -hmm. I, I guessed at one time that the Jack and Coke was the number one cocktail in a bar. Do you know what it is? You you work in this business. You got to tell me if this is true because and not all studies say this, but a, a majority of the surveys say that this drink is the number one drink ordered at American bars. Vodka soda, nope. vodka tonic. Nope. Jack and Coke. No, I thought it would be. Rum and Coke. Margarita. What? Yeah. You know, when I bought, there was a, there's phases though. I the think. number one? The number, I don't know, let's Google it again. Like, when I worked, I worked at TGI Fridays, I was one of them flare, I learned how to be one of them flare bartenders, and it was Long Island Tees. Long Island Tea. Long no. Island Tea. How long ago was that? 2000. Okay, I would agree with that. 
Long Island's were like was, oh, the popular made, thing. Man. Oh, we made was Long Island teas. And those are easy. Yeah. Wow. Margarita, I wouldn't, I don't see that at all, but. Margarita on most of those surveys is the number one. Margarita. Yeah. Acid reflux, that's what I think of when I think of a margarita. <laughs> Acid reflux, mm. do you get that? From the sweet and sour that's in a margarita? Yeah. I get a, Where what are they called, skinny? Skinny margarita? Those and are they good. use the less, yeah, they use the less. Yeah, they use the roses, lime juice, and the. Less juice. Uh, triple sec and blue agave tequila. Blue agave. White clear tequila. Do you like Kenny Chesney's music? I do. I love Kenny Chesney. Huh? I love Kenny Chesney. What? What's your favorite song? Wow. Just got a ton of songs that I love. Uh, I go back and listen to stuff that wasn't even on the radio. That he cut a song that Cobb wrote that uh, called uh, Donut. I've been riding, I've been wrong, oh, yeah. somewhere in between for so long. Lived the night, missed the light, but I've been shown it. God has his way of leading you on, don't it? That's good. All <laughs> right. those Chesney songs. Man, Chesney picks such good songs. And the cool thing about Chesney is that he don't even write those songs. You know, he picks them. There's a lot of people that write these songs, and he's not even a writer on them. But he just goes through and picks them out. Right? Man, it's good songs. All these songs. It was one that was last summer. We were on the boat and down at Anna Maria, and uh, I think it was about the time that song came out. It was a single. I can't remember the name of it. It was just good. Last just, year, yeah. I like that American Kid song. Sitting on the couch, listening to little pink houses, making out on living room couches. Mm-hmm. He's got so many good songs. That song when he come out with uh, Young, mm-hmm. then he come out with the good stuff. Then he's got that Uncle Cracker song, When the Sun Goes Down. He's just a feel-good vibe. I like he's his shows, a, too. I like being at his shows. He's live. a modern day. He just opened up last weekend. They always open it in Tampa, where I'm from. Yeah. Right there at the Tampa Modern Stadium. day Jimmy Buffett. He is. He's strong. His shows are high energy, man. He is. He still gets it too, man. From side to side, that's big old Shit, stage. He's about too. fifty-five now. Yeah, he still rocks. Little it. feller, you ever met? Little him? feller. Yeah, little tiny guy. Unless you want to pat him on the head. Really? <laughs> Would you What's have up, met? Kenny? Have you ever What's met up, him? Kenny? Yeah, I met him at Losers one night. We were there, and I don't think he remembered being at Losers, but he did get up and sing with the the house band. band. Yeah, but it was uh Maybe a version of course before he was like, okay, I shouldn't do this. <laughs> <laughs> he had been overserved. He was having fun. That man. happens at losers. He probably deserved it. But uh, yeah, I, man, I love Chesney. I love his music. His uh, all his stuff's great. I like his vibe. So where do we go from here? We're going to go to the Predators game tonight, and then we got some guests coming in in the next couple of days. We're going to Lynchburg. We're going to visit with our friends at Jack Daniels. We're going to hunt a turkey down there. We're going to Alabama to visit some of the Jack Daniels properties. We're going to be back up here hunting some turkeys. We've got some big birthday parties this coming weekend. We'll be at Kid Rock's Honky Tonk for some of that. A lot of cool things, a lot of cool vibes. I'm taking Bubba to Broadway tonight for the first time. What should we do, Bobby? Bubba, you've never been to Broadway? No, sir. We got to start him off at Whiskey Bent. You take him to Whiskey Bent Saloon. Y'all go on in there and get you a beer and a shot. And you tell him to put it in fat black magic marker on a spill sheet under Bobby Johnson. Tell him to do that. Okay. And then y'all go from wherever you want to go from there. We're going to do tell him what at the bar? Put it on the spill sheet, y'all's first beer and shot, both of you. Really? And what if there's four of us? Magic marker and put Bobby Johnson underneath. What if there's four of us? Do four of you. I think we can afford that. <laughs> huh? I think we can afford that. We can afford the four of you. Okay, but I'm not done yet. Um, <laughs> Appreciate that. You see this shirt? I paid retail for this last night. Can we get a discount on some merch over Hell at the Whiskey no. Band? Can we get some? Can we get a little merge credit? Yeah, man. Pick some stuff out, buddy. I will pick some stuff out of that place. Call me. I'll call somebody, man. No, no, I like that stuff at Doc Holidays too. Can we run by there? Just go in, yeah. 
Uh, slide in there and just get what you want. Get a sack. Start off with a sack. <laughs> and just, and just, start just keep going. Go from bar to bar. Then you'll feel how I feel when you, everybody. You'll be down at Tootsie's going, Bobby Johnson did I get this purple T-shirt. <laughs> everybody comes to Bobby? my shop. Now you know how I feel, Bobby, when they come to my shop. <laughs> they just start filling shit up. Pick well, up I just do like NWTF rolls around. I just go get in the trailer and start grabbing stuff. I know. I watch it. 2X, 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 2X. Yep. There's not a lot I of it. Don't, I don't do that. I do it when we go to the booth over there. <laughs> oh, wow. I need one of these. I then wore this ball cap out. I need another one. I had on my favorite ball cap yesterday. The the Foul Life uh, black one's got the American flag under the brim. Yeah. I love that hat. See, and for fits, a while, y'all didn't your have any. Good. You were wearing it last night. Yeah. I love that hat. I can't wear that hat. It's too big for my head. See, I've got a big head. So fits your head perfect. Works good. You lucky. Works good. Yeah, I have to go to specialty hat shops to get hat. I'm weird about hats. So most ball caps just don't. I look like a peewee. Well, I, we, you you got a big head too. Seven and three eighths. Yeah, I'm seven five eighths. He's seven and a quarter, so that's not much smaller than a three eighths. Yeah, but you can find a hat to fit, to fit his head a little better because yeah. when, hey, when you get to those last two dot buckles on the back of a hat, it just starts to get all its shape. Starts to get tough. <laughs> That's the Foul Life Podcast. Thank you to all our partners and sponsors. Thank you all so much for listening. The downloads, the subscriptions, we're on it. Coming at you live, Nashville Palace Scoreboard, Nashville Tennessee Music Valley. We're headed to Broadway and Music Road tonight. Thank you to the Nashville Predators for having us with Jack Daniels. Going to be a heck of a game. I love the energy of that place, the Bridgestone Arena during a Predators game. I wish I'd have been there. I like it. I I love it. it. I I want some more of it. I try Mm. so hard. Every time they get ready to score or something, that's what they play, right, Tim McGraw? My wife loves it. My wife will sit at home all night and watch hockey. Really? Really? Mm Mm-hmm. I can't. I, I can't watch a whole thing. I'm not really into. I'm a hockey player playing golf. When today. it's the playoffs, that it's a little much. different. But it, Nashville wins tonight. Our Nevada Knights are no more. It's getting down to the wire, huh? It's getting down to that. The game tonight. You know that's one of the longest seasons besides I think NASCAR is uh, hockey. Really? Yeah. It's like but how 11, many games they play? It's a like week. eleven months. Yeah. Jeez. We'll be back at you another episode of the Foul Life Podcast. Check out our sister podcast. We got quite a few of them now. We got This Life Ain't For Everybody, Where the Pavement Ends, 40 Years to Freedom, and Anna V's brand new podcasting, the American Wing Shooting Podcast. Brand new episodes out for all those right now. Thank you so much for the continuous support. Check out this song coming at you right now, 2 a.m. Actually, no. We're going to change it up since we're with my man, Bobby Johnson. What should I do? A bridge too wet to burn or... Horses in Heaven. What do you want me to play going out? Probably play a play a little Horses in Heaven. Bro. This is Bobby Johnson on a song that he wrote, and it's genius. It even says the words Chris Ledoux in it. Garth Brooks made Chris Ledoux kind of famous when he said, God God bless Chris Ledoux and that song. Chris Ledoux was famous in his own way. I'm a yes, huge, it didn't hurt. I'm a huge Chris Ledoux fan. Yeah, I love him. Love him for sure. Okay, sing a little bit of uh, Go For It. Oh, you probably need a guitar to sing that. We'll get. You, we'll come with a studio version. This is Bobby Johnson, Horses in Heaven. Thank you all. I'd imagine that's what Chris Ledoux is doing now If there's horses Horses in heaven Cause I wanna fly on one with wings across the great divide On a cattle drive Amongst the stars will rub the moon in sky I won't be scared to die If I can